This podcast is proudly sponsored by David Robago Family Chiropractic. We fondly refer to our chiropractor as Dr. Dave, who is an ambassador of good competition and an active member of our jiu-jitsu community for the past 10 years. For sports injuries, think Robago Chiropractic, where soft tissue injuries respond quickly with chiropractic care so you can keep on training. Dr. Robago is conveniently located near Arden Mall at 1860 Howe Avenue, number 435. Give him a call at 916-568-6333 so you can give it your all on the mat. Don't forget to tell him. Gibran. This podcast is also brought to you by ESAC BJJ, Sacramento's newest academy where we believe in jiu-jitsu for everybody, which means that we foster a positive and inclusive environment where all are welcome to come and develop the art. Come join the class, make new friends, and learn valuable skills you can take on or off the mat. More information at isacbjj.com. I'll see you there. What's up, you filthy animals? It's the best of edition, episodes 10 through 20. And we're going to get started here with number 10, Mikey Hothi. So Nate jumps in regularly? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah, daily, man. Fuck, really? Yeah, the day that you were there, uh, he just wasn't there. Yeah, he just had. Yeah, maybe he was out of town. He's he's got a lot more appearances nowadays. But on any given day, you show up, he'll train, man. And I feel like that's rare. Like I do. Can I? Go yeah, especially when you're like when you're on the verge of a big fight like that, or you got a lot of money riding on your well being. Yeah. To just jump in with hobbyists who might not know, who might fall on you funny. Yep. Like if I go to Alpha Male, am I going to get a roll with Garbrandt? No, Probably. You're not, not. going to get a roll with Garbrandt. Fuck yeah. No. And so I think that's part of what makes these guys like so damn good at what they do. I like jujitsu is that they'll literally roll with anybody, you know, no fucks given. Nope. Isn't they pretty savage on the mat? Oh yeah. Yeah. I've, yeah. I've, 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 I, I go to a bunch of different gyms in the area and by far one of the best people I've ever rolled with. Really? Oh yeah. Even just like classic, just technical gi jujitsu. Yep. Does, like, he spill, does a guy like that split his time in the gi? Like, he spends a lot of time in the gi? Too? Yeah, he does. Man, that's some old school shit, man. I, I'm not sure how I feel about that. I can't really talk shit on it because it's clearly working for him, but I'm not sure how much I can recommend spending that much time in the gi for, for a guy like that, but it's clearly working. Well, know? they do both. Like, yeah. I think on any given day, there's a no-gi session and a gi session. And I'll tell you what, if I'm rolling with somebody no-gi, I'll be damned if I get tapped out, right? Yeah. Like, if you can get out... It's with, sweaty, yeah. It's slippery, yeah. Yeah, it's so much easier to escape stuff with with no gi. Also, it's easier to get some chokes in too. Like I've got, I've got like a whole choke series where it's hard to get with the gi. It's all clunky right around the neck. Yeah, and all of a sudden we did no gi. It's like, oh, this is possible. You know, I feel like no gi. It's really just the art of choke. There's no tough guys when it comes to chokes. If you got that choke sink, sunk in, you know, it's not like you, you see you like at that tournament we were at, at the sorry the submission pro tour. You saw people letting their arms bend backwards. Mm-hmm. You know, not not the case with the neck. Yeah. You know, you hang onto the neck, and it's like this big block. It's like this big fire hydrant, and wherever they move, you can move with it. You know, um, so yeah. I mean, that's that's just my view on it. Like, I th- I feel like no gi is really just the art of chokes. Oh yeah. So arm drags and chokes and so, leg locks. So that third- number eleven, Solomon Amadier. Yeah. Oh, so, yes. And then so this thing was gonna eat your face. Uh, pretty much, man. Pretty much. So I was just like, fuck. Why? I was just like, man. Am I ever going to fight again? You know, am I ever going to train again? But I just always told myself, man, I don't know how or how the hell it's going to work, but I'm going to get back in the cage, man. And uh, it was just a long time, man. Like, I think I was wired shut for like a year and a half. Like, you were wired shut? Yeah. Like, 
Your mouth was wired shut for a year and a half. I mean, the surgeries took about like a year and a half because okay. you know, the times between. But I would say, honestly, more maybe about a year, about close to a year, I was like, wired shut. So I was just eating for wow. okay, huh? just drinking shit. And I, I got skinny. I didn't know, like 130 or some shit. I skinny I've ever like been in my life, you know? And it was just some crazy stuff, man. And, but, Did you ever, do you have trouble breathing? It was hard, man, but like I said, man, like the human body and mind is just a crazy thing, man. Like it can adapt to anything, you know, so I just got used to it, and, you know. And then me, I'm a type of person, man, like I can't sit still for more than like too long. So just me having to, have to be in the hospital bed, be at the house, hospital bed at the house, man, I just told myself, man, it's like I never want to get this low in life ever again, especially, you know, at the age of 21, you know, people my age are out, you know, enjoying oh, I was having fun, dude. You know, I was in college or whatever, like rap ass in the club, yeah, dancing, you know, that, getting out girls, you know, like, yeah. all that crazy stuff, and then, you know, like, I was just like, man, like, I'm just here, just like, you know, fucking, I have to go through this, but I always believe, man, like, that happened for a reason, so, you know, it put me in this uh, situation I'm in now, like, man, and I'm stronger than ever right now, so I'm thankful for going through it, and I'm Honestly, I feel like the whole situation went from being the worst thing that's ever happened to me to being the, 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 the biggest blessing that that I could have ever seen. Why do you feel like it? Why do you feel like it was a blessing, man? Because like I feel like it just really changed me just going through that at a young age, man. Like it just teaches you that life is short, bro, and it's like you know, take chances in life. You know, like most people like go to work and they're not happy or they, you know, they do things that don't, that aren't supposed to be for them, you know? Yeah. And I was just like, man, I told myself, as soon as I get out of this fucking hospital bed, I don't You're gonna live. I'm back on that fucking mat. You know, I'll pursue my dreams and I'm gonna, you know, just push, push through 100%, you know, and that's how this cutthroat shit came up because uh, one of my boys was like, man, he saw my scar because, you know, he had to cut through my back ear like, oh, six man. times, man. It's like, I I like I don't got no like feeling here, like here at all, here. So it's kind of crazy because so I get punched. Do you feel when you get punched? Not really, man. So it's just kind of like a tingling sensation, but for the most part, man, I don't feel anything. Which can be a blessing, I guess, in the fight, you know. So yeah, yeah. So it's like a freaking hip job, you could say. So, so what, what were the operations for? Operations. So so basically, six. Yeah. So basically, the first one was they they cut out like just a black mass. And they tested it, and it came out to be like cancer. The second one was just like they're fucking went out in like twelve hours or ten hours. Basically, just got to cut out the whole jaw and like a healthy margin of the jawbone, you know, just to see that it hasn't spread. Right, right, right. So they do that, and I guess the third one was they get bone. They got bone from my left hip, so they got a good chunk of my uh, left hip bone, and they put it in my jaw. Boom! And on top of that, like, I had I had this shaved it down into a jaw. I, I mean, like, this, like, that no, shit's crazy. So, I guess, they got, like, <laughs> like, like, piece of the man, they put it there, and I guess they, you know, they, so like, they, they smoothed it, it with Josh. They smoothed it down. Like, you look right up, I mean, like, you don't really look different yeah. from one side of the other to the other. May, I mean, it's probably because I keep a beard, but I think once okay. I shave my beard off, man, it's like, it, my face kind of, kind of kicked it a little bit. A little bit, you know, but for the most part, you know, it came in nice, but, uh, but it's, it's uh, pretty fucking good, man. I wouldn't know there was anything. I didn't know, I wouldn't know there was anything. So the crazy thing was, it was like a hip chop, but I went, but I also had this crazy fucking steel chain, but I'm telling you, it was like this thick from here, all the way here, it was a steel chain, so they were going to actually put in like a steel plate, right? Uh-huh. But it looked like a fucking, like those little light chains, you know? It was like here, so 
I had a hip jaw and a bite chain. And but the crazy thing was after my third surgery, man, I think it was like three weeks after, I was fine. You know, everything was cool. And then, bro, out of nowhere, I fucking woke up three weeks after my surgery and my face was just swollen like I just got out of surgery. I was like, what the fuck is going on? I sent a picture t- to my doctor. I had like this crazy little fucking bubble going like on the scar line. And he was like, fuck, man, I think you have an infection. I let it get you back in the operating room. Right away. Right away. And when I got to the operating room, man, this is the craziest shit about the surgery that I'll never forget in my life. So this is the third surgery. That's the fourth surgery. That's the fourth surgery. So now I'm about to go into my fourth surgery, man. And, uh, so this, this is the craziest thing out of all of it. So they told me that they had to, like, could, 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 you know when you go through an operation, like, they put you to sleep, right? Right, right. So for this one, it was just weird, man. Like, they were like, yo, because of infection, uh, we're going to have to keep you awake while we put you to sleep. I was like, oh, yeah. I was Wait, like, what? what are you guys talking about? I was like, so I kind of had an idea, but I didn't. So I guess they tried to numb my throat and all that. So it was crazy, man. I went to I went to the uh, operation room, bro. And fuck, I had like fucking eight nurses. Uh, can I go to Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, so I had like fucking like, eight nurses holding me down, like, strapping me down. Like, yo, what the fuck's going on? And then there was a camera, just, you know, like a TV just like that. And okay. there was a tube, bro, they fucking just kept it like this. Like, what the fuck's going on? And they had like this long ass tube, and they were like, I'm sorry, bro, we gotta keep you awake to make sure that you can breathe, bro, because the breathing tube. But they stuck that thing, bro, and went from here all the way down to my stomach or something, man. Shit. And I'm just choking, I'm like, <gasps> and the whole time I'm seeing like the shit on like on TV, right? And the lady that's doing this, I'll never forget her in my life. She did this, this lady who's been doing this stuff for like 20 years at a, because I have a surgery at UC San Francisco. Okay. And like, man, she was just so intense. Like, it was literally like, I'm on fucking World War II battlefield on the beaches of Normandy, like, about to die. And she's just talking to me, saying, stay calm. You're going to make it. You're going to make it, right? She's like coaching you through yeah, it. She's coaching me through it. And then she's snapping, like, on the actual doctors and stuff. Like, it was the most funniest shit, because I guess she's known to be very intense, you know? Just a whole persona. Just the whole thing. Yeah, you know, so but, I mean, I wouldn't have anyone else looking. She got me through it. Quarterbacking the whole thing. But man, I was really choking her. I'm like, I'm talking about the tube is going down. It's just like, all the crazy shit that finally come to sleep. And, uh, and I would, I'll never forget that in my life, man. Episode 12, the beginner's panel. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I started training when I was 23. Uh, I was in Kentucky. I'd been out of the Army for almost a year. And in the Army, everybody works out, you know, together. There's, like, just a sense of camaraderie. I didn't know you were in the Army. Yeah, I was in the Army four years as a medic. And when I got out, I, you know, I didn't feel that, that I had that anymore. I, you know, we moved away from all of our friends in Kentucky. I was at Fort Campbell, and we moved to... A city right outside of Lexington, okay. about three hours away. Okay. And I was just doing full time, like I was telling you guys, I was like a stay at home dad, I was a full time student, and I was like, man, I need to do something. Like, I have like not aggression, but just uneasiness, you know? But like not having people that, that do the same shit that I do, like on a regular day basis. Right, because you were previously in the army. Right. Like, like, everybody did the same clan. Thing. Everybody yeah. went through the same shit. And, you know, so I found a gym. I was like, well, let, let me try this out. Let me, let me see, you know, it was something I've always, li- I've always loved watching MMA. So let me try this out. And I went to Georgetown MMA, and I loved it, man. I loved the guys. I loved, you know, the, it, it, was, it was a small group. And maybe like eight, nine people, you know, were trained, would show up to the gym and train. 
And then we'd all go break bread. We'd all go eat. We'd all go watch fights together. And I was like, dude, this is like, I've been looking for people that watch fights, you know, that, that want to watch fights with me, that want to train, that want to learn stuff. So it was just perfect, man. Honestly, a big part of why I'm probably marrying this girl that I'm about to marry is because she would fucking watch these fights with me. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, she doesn't give a shit. Yeah. Right. You know, she no, but she give a shit because you, you know, give a shit. Yeah, she That's gives cool, a shit because right? I give a shit. But, you know, I was, we've been on and off, you know? Yeah. And in one of our off spells, I was trying to, like, make it happen with the wrong girl, you know? Yeah. And she'd be like, can we not with the fights? And then I'd put the Joe Rogan podcast on it. She'd, she'd be like, can we not with the Joe Rogan? And I'm like, well, <laughs> fucking what? Then? Like, yeah. You know? <laughs> like, well, then what, what are we going to, you know? But to to have someone that can, like, shares that common interest. Right. You know, like, well, right. And what's funny with me is I actually, I was, let's see, almost 19 years old when I met my wife, right? And I'd never really watched mixed martial arts. Like, the first fight that I remembered way back when was uh, Randy Couture spanking Tito on the ass. Oh, yeah. that. And, yeah, yeah. But other than that, I, I never watched them MMA. And when I met her, we'd go out and we'd watch fights. She was really into it. No shit. Yeah. But she, but she doesn't train. She doesn't want to train. She doesn't train. But she loved to watch them, you know? And that's how I got interested in it. I think that's what got me into it. Yeah. I was just like wanting to, to click like more with her. Yeah. But then I wanted to watch this. I wanted to actually do it. It's kind yeah. of a big ask to be like, hey, come get beat up, you know? Right. Come learn to get right. beat up yeah. from yeah. somebody. But it's worth it, I think. Michael, what got you into it? In general? Kind yeah. of starting from the beginning? <clears throat> um, I was always into something active. Pro wrestling was my was my start. I think it was for anybody. You know, Ken Shamrock showed up on fucking TV yeah. locks and you're like, what the fuck is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, wait, just quickly, let me interrupt you there. Um, just a quick observation on the nature of like pro wrestling versus, um, versus MMA, right? Yeah, I've the, trained both. Yeah, <laughs> the business model is the same. You're paying to watch men in their underwear fight each oh, other. Oh, for sure. And the only difference is in one, the outcome is like predetermined and the other, the outcome. Hold on, wait, what? Right. Which one's predetermined? Don't lie to me. This is, yeah. the, this is kind of the thing that um, a lot of people get, you know, and I'm a nobody, but this is just my opinion when yeah. it comes to uh, like McGregor coming onto the scene. Like I still have the post when he jumped that, that, that cage and I was like, you know, like everybody take notes. Yeah. Like, anybody yeah. in may scene, take notes. They, yeah. they bitch and complain that MMA is not WWE and whatever, but it is. You know, McGregor's walking around with fucking hundred million dollars now. Yeah. So, yeah. what do you really want to complain about? You know. Yeah. You're basically in the business of selling a compelling storyline. Yeah. yeah. You're well, like, business is business. You know yeah. what I mean? It like, could be cars, right? Yeah. <laughs> like it's uh, it's like um, you know, Jose Aldo's talking so much shit after he lost that you know, fight, and it's like turning into this. You know, that was rough. Give me my belt back. Give me my belt that back. That was rough to watch. It was. It was hard. So, so. You know, and and then McGregor just like. I'm out of here. You know, in a lot of ways, like 2015 and 2016 were like the years of the super villains. You know, like Donald Trump. <laughs> yeah. And then in the Philippines, fucking Duterte. Duterte's killed 10,000 of his own citizens. Just for getting high. Just for getting high. Just getting high. Just for getting high. Trying to escape life for a minute. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, no, kill you. Well, I mean, that, meth that methamphetamine problem is no joke, but yeah, I mean, yeah. it's like... Uh, <laughs> I'm, like I'm, gonna, I'm not pro here, guys. Fucking slaughter a few hundred thousand people. Yeah, yeah, and then, like, the, um, and then Vladimir Putin is fucking looking in the background spreading yeah. disinformation. Uh, I, had a, I had a roommate one time who said to me, you, you know, um, he, he was one of these comic book nerds, and I was there with him, he had a couple of drinks, too. 
And what he said to me was that, you know, as you get older, you realize that, like, the superheroes that you look up to, you know, of course, don't exist, right? Yeah. Fantasy. Right. But the villains make more and more sense. And That's so he true. says, like, in like in, in reality, the Joker is, is kind of still around and he's everywhere. Mm-hmm. And he, he makes more sense and he's more applicable. He's like, he's like, just look at Vladimir Putin. He's just, like, throwing this disinformation out everywhere. You know, and then look at Connor. You know, he's, like, getting everyone so inflamed, you know. Um, but he's really just kind of, like, inviting people to reflect on how they're crippled by their own ego. Like, yeah. what was tough about the Aldo thing was that he was crippled by his own ego. You know, he's like, why aren't yeah. you respecting me? I'm the champion. Why can't you, like, you know, what? And, like, he that Brazilian macho bullshit, man, is, I, I get to have a Brazilian on the show. You know, for fear that it turned into a, you know, why not life in Brazilian jiu-jitsu? <laughs> you know? Um, so, yeah, I mean, Connor got, in, Connor got into, um, into all those and just started dancing in there. He's so smart. Yeah. You know, like, in, in and out of the cage, he's a, the smartest guy in MMA right now. You know, no, no knocking on anybody else, but yeah. he's walking around with $100 million, you know? And who else is doing that? Yeah, no one else is doing that. Other than fucking Mayweather. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. I mean? So it's like, he understands the game that it's like it's it's more as much as you want to be that guy that's like you know if you, if you watch back I'm, I'm kind of a pro wrestling nerd but if you watch back on like a Bret Hart documentary where he's like saying like I don't understand everybody's loving Stone Cold <laughs> mm-hmm. like I'm the good guy you know what I mean I'm that's the, the problem but that's right. anti-hero exactly. who the fuck wants that anymore the you thing know, is you if you're not polarizing you're not you know you're only going to be drawing from the from being right. a, a what is it a face yeah, a baby face right you're only going to be the baby face right like, even The Rock was Really polarizing for a while, right? You know, he bounce around. He used to be a baby face, and then he, then he started the, the whole third person. Yeah, because kind of, nobody wanted. They they gave exactly. him a green light, and they were like, "Go tell the crowd to fuck off." Right? <laughs> and, and, and it did. worked. And who doesn't love that? Like, yeah. finally, you're telling me that fuck you for for booing you. It's like, how dare you? I'm a fan, you know. So that's yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah. kind of cool. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like same shit. Like McGregor takes. He even says, "Like I'm doing the Vince McMahon walk." Oh no, well, so, yeah, he's actually he pays homage a lot. Right, the Vince McMahon walk, mm-hmm. the El Chapo outfit, yeah, the fucking Biggie outfit. Like he's like he he'll go into a character. He understands that. Gimmick. Well, of course he goes into a character. I mean, every, after every fight, he's saying like, "No, he's a great." You know, what do you say after Mayweather? That's why he's the champ. You know, it, he's yeah. just hyping a fight. And right. then, yeah, once it's I mean, over, that being said, I still think he's super cocky. But yeah, I mean, but yeah, at the same time, yeah, he loses, and then he he. He says, yeah, like, I knew what this was. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I, you know, I was just trying to make it entertaining for you guys. And you suckers paid me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Number 13, Tyler Bray. Got it. But I do love doing, uh, working with my clients one-on-one, or I've been requested for some seminars here and there. Oh, right. So I love that. Yeah. Cool, cool. Yeah. Is there, like, a specific, like, technique branch that you're uh, Mostly like, arm bars. Like, request you for seminars or whatever? Yeah, like? different, like, arm bars variations. Um Turtle. I do a lot of stuff in turtle guard, and I've kind of turned it into more of an offensive guard. Really? Um, some bottom side control stuff. I do a lot from bottom side control. Me too. Like offensively, yeah. yeah. Like it's actually there's you a find, lot. Do you of, like find the americana there? I find arm bars. I find sweeps. I find just just weird stuff. I find yeah. darces from there. You know, yeah, so yeah. So there's like a lot down there. Like I really explore all of those bad positions. Yeah. You know, and then I'm like, eh, it's bad because you're uneducated from that position. Right. You know, right, so if you right. get educated, you get comfortable from there. Turtle's not a, that bad of a position, you know. Yeah. Like if yeah. you get educated from there, if you're better from the bad position than your opponent is from the good position, who's really in bad you're position? You're gonna be okay. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Half my matches, if my initial stuff isn't working, I'll pull bottom side control, and then my opponent, <laughs> like I'll just go there and like come here, and then my opponent won't really engage me. I'm like, why are you afraid? Like I'm giving you 
side control. And right. like half of them are afraid to engage me. I'm like, oh, and I'm the one in bad position, right? Right, right, right. right. So, you know. You're um, probably quite a bit more muscular than a lot of your opponents. Yeah, and that's on the fitness side, yeah. That's on the fitness <laughs> side, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, going back to bottom side control. Uh, I'm just saying because like, it'd be hard to like pin you down. As yeah. As as, like, I, I, could, I, could, I could see some reluctance there just with a guy like as clearly physically strong as you. Yeah. It's like, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to pin this guy down. Yeah. You know, instead, and keep him down there. So there's some, I think, some danger with that, right? Yeah. Well, and I try to be really creative too because I can't, if I am in bottom side control or mounted, I can't oompa. I don't have that ability in my legs to oompa. So I got to find yeah. other ways to create space, other ways to like throw his weight off me a little bit, different tactics. So yeah, I, yeah. I, I have a lot of weird techniques, you know? Got it, got it. So, so you, you're, you, you have some movement in your legs. A little bit, yeah. Really? I can, like, I guess what I usually use my legs for, I can drive with them, I can drive into my opponent, and I can kind of use them to swing myself. I can bring my knees to my chest and throw them, swing myself. Got it, you know? got but it. But I can't plant an oompa effectively anyway. That motion so, is. Yeah. So Got there's it. certain things I can't do, but I understand conceptually what am I trying to do. The oompa creates space, and then you use the space. And then you open from there. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, how else can I create space? How else can I make his weight a little off? You know, how else can I trick him into, uh, like if his weight is crushing my chest, how do I trick him into bringing his weight somewhere else, and now I can move? Got it. You know, right. so just different tactics, but same concept, right? Yeah, yeah. So, Super cool. Yeah. Super cool. So <clears throat> can you do like a shrimp? Yeah, I can shrimp. Not like super <coughs> effectively, but enough. enough I, can, to, I can shrimp enough to use it, yeah. To, to use it to create movement. Yeah, enough to um, yeah get out, enough to yeah. transition. That's, that's really interesting. It seems to me like you must have like a really good n- mastery of the notion of just how much space you need to create your next movement, to create exactly. your next window of opportunity, and how you're gonna and how you're gonna make that. Yeah, you know, I think a lot of. Um, a lot of folks more on the beginner side of the spectrum that I encounter, um, you know, when maybe like coach will teach a move and we're all kind of trying to do it, you know, yeah. and maybe the beginner is maybe just a little bit lankier or has a little bit shorter arms or yeah. it's just built a little bit, you know, or like um, their body is just a little bit different than than coach's body, right? Mm-hmm. And like, you know, it's okay if you need to take a little hip escape here and like get the right angle to do this move, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. like, well, that's not what coach said. Well, yeah, but like you're... You got to make it work for your body, right? Yeah. Like if you got to take a little, if you got to make a little step here, or you got to take a little like hip escape there to mm. get the right angle. Like this is really, you know, as much as anything else, I think jujitsu is the art of like creating those dynamic spaces between the two bodies so that you can like fill the cavity like with your yeah. move, you know. <clears throat> so I think that's cool. Like I didn't realize that until now, but you must have like a really dynamic view on that. Episode 14, Mikhail Venikov. No, no. Um, I, I, you know, I, I don't know how it is now, but we, as Americans, we try to um, make sure that everybody goes home safe, right? And so there's there are different situations that do come up, and um, the hard part is when you're over there and you're, you're, you know, you make contact and, you know, there's firefights and that sort of things, ha- those sort of things happen. Uh, you don't really, I guess, realize the extent of what's going on or how it's going to affect you or your buddies or any anything that's going on there until you get back home, until you um, you go to a ceremony and you know you see your buddy in a coffin or any, anything like that. You know that's that's when it gets it, it kind of you know hits you. And you're like, whoa, um, you know what's going on. And, um, so, 
I don't really like to talk too much about it, but fair. Yeah, that's that's just kind of it's an eye opening, you know. And then you see <clears throat> their, you know, your buddy's girlfriend or or wife, and uh, just volunteers. <laughs> you can't do anything about it, you know. So it get it, it kind of um, it's it's tough, you know. And so being around that environment and um, um, around situations like that. Everybody takes that differently. Some people, some of the guys, uh, when they get out, it's, it's tough because they're used to a certain lifestyle. And so um, there hasn't been, I, I don't know how it is now, but there hasn't been too much support or um, for our veterans coming out. You know, and so when I got out, I had no idea what I was going to do. And that's when I was introduced to Uriah, Team Alpha Male at that point. And, um, you know, started training with the guys. It was a cool way out for me. It was kind of a therapy. Um, would you say you kind of found some of that camaraderie that, that was lost when you left the military? Yeah, absolutely. When I came out of the military, I had no idea what I was going to do work wise. And when I got, I went to a, a fight that Uriah was fighting, I think it was WC at the time. And, uh, met him and he was a cool, cool guy. Uh, started training and, and then in that, that, um, environment, um, it was very, um, therapeutic for me because like you mentioned, the, the camaraderie, the, the team building environment, the, the brotherhood, that is all things that you learn in the military. <clears throat> and so I was like, man, this is awesome. And so just continues, continue training. And that was, and continues being a therapy for me because, you know, you, get, you have a hard day at work and, um, you know, you got your buddies in the military. There's people, that, things that happen. And so hitting the gym or being around good people like yourself when we're rolling, um, whatever we're doing, uh, that a lot of people don't realize, but it, it is, it is a therapy. It is a good thing for us to do us being veterans. Um, you know, non-veterans as well, probably. I'm just speaking on behalf of veterans. Yeah. Yeah. Can I touch on that for a second? Because sure. the, you know, I think one thing that, um, that sort of gets, uh, that sort of makes, that I reflect on when I do, uh, jujitsu, when I go to sparring on Saturdays or whatever, is that, um, there's a sort of catharsis there, right? You can sort of like let some of the steam out in a, in a constructive manner instead of a, in, instead of a destructive manner, right? And, yeah. um, you know, I think if you look at our sort of our primordial roots, like, you know, genetically, we're no different than cavemen, right? Who would go out and, you know, and, and, and be very violent. You know, and so I think that you need to like sublimate violence, you know, and, um, especially for, um, you know, for someone who can be lifting weights or, or either, or playing soccer, but you've got to, you've kind of got to go out and sort of like get it out. You know what I mean? Um, and in, you know, in, in modern society, we're increasingly, you know, living in apartment complexes and these boxes stacked on top of each other, going to work at desk jobs and, you know, sitting in these little cubicles all day and just sort of expected to play very nice with each other all the time. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, um, you know, for someone who's, I mean, just the contrast there for someone who's, um, who's gone to war, right. And, or it, maybe even for someone who, who hasn't, but who's just sort of like frustrated by just how nice and pleasant it all is. Um, it's nice to just go out and, you know, get dirty, even like these like Spartan races. I think that's part of why they're getting, why they're becoming so popular is because, you know, we're sort of in touch with the fact that we're losing some of that, oomph, you know, that, that we're supposed to have in our lives, mm -hmm. you know? Um, 
And so you found your way to the gym and, and, um, you know, I, I'm glad that, you know, we were, we were training partners for a little while and I, I always admired, I always admired you because of your commitment to fitness, how quickly you picked things up, you know, um, and then shortly, um, shortly after we met, you started taking fights, right? Yeah. 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 Are you, um, how many fights have you had? So six, six, six professional fights. Wow. Wow. At um, we fight 170 pounds. 170, yeah. Right. Walter weight. Walter right. weight. Wow. Um, is that a big cut for you, by the way? It is. It's it's tough for me because I'm I'm naturally pretty lean. Um, guys that you know been in the gym with me, they know I'm pretty pretty lean normally, and so cutting down. Um, I'm probably right now walking around at mid 80s, 80, 80, 85, 88, something like that. So cutting down. To, and not a lot of fat on you to to get rid of. Not much, no. Yeah. So it's a lot of water weight. So I'm, um, you know. I'm very dehydrated in when I'm making weight. So it's tough. It's very tough. Yeah. What was that first um what was that first profile like like for you? Um the first one was uh you know, the first couple ones were pretty quick. They they ended pretty quick. Uh I think a lot of the guys were a little intimidated by um my appearance and this crazy Russian guy coming out and fighting, you know. Um but it was it was Again, I don't want to abuse the word, but it's therapeutic for me. You know, like you talked about getting dirty and, and sweating and hanging out with guys and just working, getting pushed and pushing yourself to, to the limit. That is, that is very good for a lot of people, veterans and non-veterans. And so, um, uh, violence is, is needed, not, and like you mentioned, uh, controlled violence. You're, you're doing things, um, in a way, in a you're you're being violent, but it's in a sport setting where there are rules that you have to follow by. You know, if you knock someone out or you knock someone down, there's a ref there to stop you and make sure that that everybody goes home. You know, at the end of the day, so violence is not necessarily a bad thing. It's uh, as long as you're controlling it and using it for the for um in in our in our situation in the military. Uh, protect, uh, protecting our country, uh, in, in sport versions where we're, we're fighting as a sport, uh, it's, you know, it's a competition between one or the other and, and whoever is prepared himself or herself better to defeat the opponent. Yeah. It's an odd thing how like beating the heck out of each other can sort of bring you closer. Yeah, man. I mean, I, you know, you hear about these, uh, things that are going on and people hating on each other. A lot of times, I, I'm a, I, I consider myself a nice guy. You know, I, um, if I'm fighting someone, that's great. I don't, I don't hate them. Um, I, I'm not going to be their bud. You yeah. know, I'm not going to hang out with them before the fight, but after the fight, usually, you know, shake hands, good job, little hug here and there. Yeah. And then, you know, sometimes, uh, there's been times where you fight someone and then you end up training with them for and prepping them for their fight. So it's not necessarily we're hating on each other. There are those guys that do, you know, take it to the next yeah. level. Number 15, Chris Campbell. Um, so I understand that you're the only, you're the oldest American to ever medal, um, in, in wrestling. Uh, at the ripe old age of 37 years old. Yeah, I was 37. I think it was... Um, see, so the Olympics were in August, and so I was about a month away from my 38th birthday. Wow. In um, Barcelona. In Barcelona. Right. And you... Um, that was the... That was the 90... 
the 1992 the 92 92 olympics i was on the 1980 olympic team right where there was a president carter boycott at those olympic games right uh, and i didn't get to go that was when i was in my prime i was 26 and so i was at the top of my game then so you um it's quite a long layoff <laughs> yeah um you know what i did was i i've been a, i'd always been i've been a vegetarian since 79 so I had always sort of watched what I ate. Uh, I was really um, into yoga, and I liked running and weightlifting. So um, between, um, say, because then I, I also tried to, to, to make the Olympic team in 1984. And so I was training up through 84, and in 84, uh, the week before the Olympic trials, I uh, tore my ligament in my knee. Oh, goodness. So I, so I didn't make the 84 team. Um, and then I went to law school, and I figured I was done through 84 to 87. And then um, I got a job with United Technologies Carrier Corporation, worked there for about, uh, in Connecticut, for about seven months. And then they moved me to Syracuse, New York, where Carrier is located. And Syracuse, New York had a wrestling team. And they got a wrestling team there. That's right. And uh, I had a kid named Mark Kerr, who you might know from oh, yeah. some mixed martial arts. Oh, yeah. And... Um, so, uh, and Mark Kerr was, you know, just needed some direction. Um, and so I started to go to wrestling practice at least three days a week. Yeah. And, and then I was noticing, okay, wait a minute, I'm running every morning. At lunchtime, I go out and I weight lift. And then on the evenings that I'm wrestling three days a week, you know, this is... You were living like a, you were living like a competitor. Yeah, that's my training schedule. I said, maybe I could try to compete. So, uh, I think it was 90, 90, I came back out. I think it was 90, in 1990, so from 80, 84... I was done until 90, came back out, and I got second in the nation. Oh. Um, what was I second? What's it? No, actually, I think 80, maybe 89 I tried, and uh, I didn't make the team. I, I did pretty well. Um, I think I was second in the nationals, but then they had the, uh, the, the, the world team trials, and I got blown out in the world team, team trials by a guy who, like, a month before it was so weak that I could easily beat him by about 12 points. And then all of a sudden, it was like, <laughs> it was a rock when I was wrestling. It just, just crushed me. Really? It was quite a startling change. Well, you, you won't say it, but, but maybe I will. Yeah. Well, he, yeah. he, he, Who just, does? I mean, yeah. He's committed, right? Yeah. So, um, so then in, 80, in 1990, I trained again. Uh, and this was, I think, all under the rug is what I would call it because my company didn't know about it. And... Um, um, I, I won the nationals, and then I, I was second in the world. And when I got back in town, my boss said, "You know what? You, you were second in the world, uh, and we, the corporation, think that uh, maybe you should focus on that because if if that's a gift you have, we don't want you to waste it." So, a carrier corporation started to sponsor me, and well, what you know, a, what a tremendous opportunity! Yeah, it was, it was really neat. I worked for with some really nice people there. Um, and so, and, and that was completely different because let me give you an example. As a wrestler, when we went to the world championships in, what was it, 80, what, 70, 77, went to the world championships, uh, we slept in a barn on hay because we couldn't afford, um, you know, hotels and all that stuff. This is with the old AAU. It was terrible. So oh, horrible. my goodness. Um, and now, in 1990, you know, I'm staying at five-star hotels wherever I'm training, and I have a total rental cars, and if I want to bring in 10 guys to train with me, I bring them in to train. And so it, wow. it was really <laughs> different. A lot of fun, but really different. Do you, um, actually, could, I'd like to just maybe talk about that contrast a little mm -hmm. bit. I think, 
I think it was maybe Sugar Ray Leonard. One of these, one of these um, famous uh, boxers had lived like a like a really austere lifestyle, even though he had even though he had you know amassed quite a bit of money in prize fighting. And um, you know, a reporter asked him, you know, hey, you know, you're still driving the same car, you're still living in a studio apartment. He says, well, you know, hard to get up and jog at 5 a.m. You know, if you're in silk pajamas. Yeah. Um, having seen the, the, you know, having slept in the barns, and then also. Um, being sponsored by by a large corporation like Carrier and the diff- the different treatments, do you um, do you feel like you lost anything in, in the austerity, or maybe it facilitated you training in in ways that the previous lifestyle could not have? It was just the opposite. Yeah. Um, when I mean, so when I was training in 1980s, sort of when I was in my prime, um, nobody was paying us any money. I can remember at one point being on food stamps. It was very very stressful. And As one of the top wrestlers in the world yeah, on food and, stamps. Yeah, and I was That's getting incredible. hurt all the time and so that's at like 23 24 25 26 i'm getting injured all the time you know and i'm so stressed out and then when i'm 35 right so yeah. we're talking about 10 years later and i got this company paying everything for me and for me it was love to go so going running i would would hate to miss running so that i don't care if i was in the taj mahal i would go out running in the morning you know yeah. or weightlifting that was like the best parts of my days so i could just train as hard as i wanted to I never got hurt. Hmm. <laughs> and that's the one thing I noticed. Yeah. Um, so it was really pretty interesting. You had the right food in your body. You were able to take care of yourself. You were probably a little bit less stressed. I think it, I think it was the stress. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I just, I could totally focus on training. Yeah. When you... Um, so maybe there's a, uh, you know, a certain level... Like a curve. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, if it got too rich, then it would ruin me. But yeah, money definitely helped. But you know, that's that's interesting. That's a valuable perspective. Um, I think, um, and th- you know, I see a lot of that with 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 like up and coming MMA fighters. Mm-hmm. You know, um, a lot of the process of getting ready for an MMA fight is kind of like a resources game. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're kind of if you're fight if you're fighting if you're running away from the dogs of poverty, you know very difficult to put together the you know the right type of nutrition um and then to travel to the places that you need to travel to to get the the different um the looks at the different techniques and the different instruction right um and you know whatever however difficult that is in just um in one sport in a multifaceted sport like mma um i think oftentimes you you do see the folks with the access to the better the better resources wind up winning right because that's ultimately access to better instruction um i'm like a kareem abdul jabbar in a certain way when it comes to like you know the rights of minorities and so forth you know i'm not the type of person who will say oh let's go along get along i'm the type of person who say you know what this is wrong and we need to have this changed it's time for change yeah, yeah so um and, and dan is not that way at all well you're also perhaps bringing living a different experience than dan was since you're black and he's white, right? Yeah. So he might not understand the, the, the fierce urgency of now yeah. in the way that you do yeah. because he's not black, right? Yeah, well, I mean, and you say that about a lot of people. Yeah. But, I mean, I think therein was a little bit of a friction. And then, you know, I would get lazy a little bit from time to time. And, of course, that's not acceptable to Dan, which is perfectly reasonable. Okay. Um, and, um, you know, it, I, I was really focused and then I got a little unfocused and then I got... Back focused again when I started my international uh, stuff, but so 
So I mean, so we we had a little disconnect on those levels, but yeah, you know. he. Um, yeah, I, I I get that. I, I could see that being very frustrating. What was your treatment like by the by the fans and the rest of the team? Were, were you the were you the, were you the only black guy on the team? Um, I don't know if I was the only black guy. There's one or two. Um, Iowa fans for for the most part were, were pretty good. I mean, you know, yeah. I got called niggers once or twice, <laughs> um, but um, you know, did that stir anything up in you? I mean, you know, anger. I, I, I'll tell you a story about, about Iowa. So uh, here's, here's, my, here's my anger thing. Um, and this is what sort of gets me when people talk about, well, you know, everything is fair and everybody has an opportunity in this country. Um, I decided I wanted to go to law school. So I was, well, let's go back. Um, so I was trying to figure out how to train because I just graduated from Iowa and I needed to make some money. So I was a bouncer at a bar. And so we had a downstairs bar and an upstairs bar. And so um, this upstairs bar had like a disco setting. And I realized, you know, it was really neat. But nobody went there because, you know, the culture of Iowa is you go to the bars and you drink beer. And so the downstairs bar, they were two separate bars, was really, you know, had a lot of customers going in. Upstairs bar, nobody. Hmm. So, and I was the bouncer. So I said to uh, the, the manager, wasn't even known, I said to the manager, look, you give me the worst night that you do business. Uh, and I'll show you that I'm going to make it a profit for you upstairs. He said, okay. And so, you know, I went out and I knew that nobody was catering to the, uh, the black black tastes in that area uh, and culture. So I, I get bored. We bought a bunch of albums. I got flyers out and so forth to, to get people to come to this event. And so the, the Tuesday night I had got a DJ. The Tuesday night came and the place was packed. And it was so busy that I had to jump behind the bar and help people, um, you know, sell alcohol to make money. And, I mean, and it was standing room only. This is a Tuesday night. Um, and so at the end of the night, the, uh, the manager came up to me and says, well, we can't do this anymore. Oh, I said, goodness. why not? He said, well, we didn't make any money. I said, there's no way we didn't make any money. I had to get behind a bar to sell extra drinks. We made money. He goes, well, I'll tell you. I saw a white guy come up. He took one look. And then turned and went back the other way. So I can't have it because he's scaring away our white business. And so for me, that was very angry because that was the point when I said I had to go on food stamps. That was the point when I had to go on food stamps because I had, I had gone broke and that was sort of what was going to make it for me. So, so then I said, okay, well, I'll keep going. And I was, tri- I was studying for the SATs or LSATs for the law school exam right. at the time. So there was a police job came open. So I applied for the police job. And so you had to take a physical test. You had to take a psychological test. You had to take a written test. All right. So I, we did the, the physical test and I was so far above everybody else there. It was really obvious. Because right? yeah. I was like a world-class training level. Uh, we took the psychological test and then took the written test. And so I didn't get the job, and I came back and I said, well, you know, why didn't I get the job? And they said, oh, you got, you, you, you flunked the written test. And I said, I flunked the written test? You know, that's really interesting. Um, and so then I called up the, the, part, the employment department or whatever for the state. And, and, and they came back to me, and, and well, first I got this offer f- to be a police by the offer of the job by the police, but at the, by that point I was afraid, and I didn't want to be around people with guns who didn't really want me around. Yeah, that's, <laughs> so that's I fair. Afraid. Or maybe uh, not. Maybe not respond to your con- call to help if you're yeah, out there on your own. Or shoot me. Or shoot me. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so I didn't. So I didn't accept the job. 
I mean, then they, they came around, they came to me and says, well, you know, Chris, what did they tell you? I said, they told me that I flunked the test. And they said, well, you know what? You got the highest score of the test on it, of anybody. Um, and, and, then, and then I laughed about it a little bit because I said, if they would have told me I'm a wrestler, and if they told me I flunked a psychological test, I would have never questioned it, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I said, okay, fair enough. But it was the wrong test. So and, and, <laughs> You so, flunked me on the wrong test. Yeah, those two things happened to me back to back, and then I got angry. Um, and I think I was angry for about a month. And then I realized... Number 16, Pedro Silva. Not quite give and take like that, you know, because it's it's just jujitsu. Yeah. It's just my school. I don't want to share my students with anybody, you know. I, I just saw, um, and you know what, you know, folks, um, feel free to feel free to talk about this in the comments too. Call us and talk to us. Yeah, tell us what you think. Oh, Johnny Ghost says dictator is the way to go. <laughs> nah, bro. Nah, bro. I, I know Johnny doesn't mean that. Oh um, yeah. Nah. But uh, you know, I just saw a thing, and I just saw a thing online like Hicks. I think it was Hicks and Gracie, one of these Gracie guys. Um, like put out a video or it was like a part of an interview and he was just like don't cross train like don't go to other people's schools don't go learn new techniques from new people it's like what the fuck man he's like well you know when you compete whose flag are you going to represent well my main instructor well in jujitsu you know? right it's like fuck that it's like you know i think people get so caught up on the whole loyalty and like the crayon she thing and it's like dude you want me to be straight up it's like i remember when i was six years old having asthma attacks and my mom would give me a piggyback ride to the fucking hospital it's like i'm loyal to that shit you know what i mean if you're yeah. just making me do yeah. some shit and like oh do this making me like bust my back for you and you're really not that worried about my well-being it's like why should i have any loyalty to you it doesn't make any sense no it doesn't, it make, doesn't any make it doesn't yep, make this any is sense. In the army you know that's what like I mean? an old world that's like an old world model that's like an old world view of sort of like you know and it's directly tied to people who feel that their students are really just like their their atm <laughs> right know? and i mean and if you're an awesome instructor People will resonate with you. People will love you. You know what I mean? If you look at the best instructors, it's like they, they don't have to worry about people going anywhere. People right, will go and right, they're right. going to come back. They you're, know who it, they're doing. Right. It's like what you were saying is. earlier. If you're an awesome instructor, you say, you know what? Go, you know, go do a week across the street. You know, you're going you're gonna to absorb their best techniques and bring them back here. Yep. The Romans. You know, that's, like, that's one of the things that made the Roman Empire, you know, what it was, was they wouldn't go. You know, when they conquered new land, they wouldn't kill everybody. You know? Taking uh, some slaves, right? No, no, they they would kill. They would. I think they would kill like who needed to be killed. But to the rest of them, they were like, "Guess what? You are now all Romans." You know, very cool. Here's Bring a man. Here's, here's, here's a toga. You know, here's a toga. Here's the funny language you speak now. Let's fucking do this thing. You know, you are all. You are now all Romans. Very and everyone's cool. like, "Cool, hey." I thought they were gonna. I thought they were gonna kill us. We're Romans. All right, let's do this. Toga, toga, toga. You know, um, kind of like absor absorbing what is, what is useful. And leaving behind what is not right, um, I I think that I I think that's also like a sign of insecurity. Why are you going over there? You like it better, over there, you know? It's like a almost like a jealous goal. It's weird, yeah. It's very weird. It's very weird. But it has no place. I really uh, in you I know right now it's it's too, cool because yeah. it just started. Jujitsu is fairly new, you know. But yeah, it had along the road. It has no place. And I'm sorry, people that are like that, they're not going to last longer, you know. And that's really well. That's just how I think, you know, and what I feel, but. I might be wrong. I think that if you are like that, though, you're not going to be around for that much longer. Yeah, no, it's um, it's crazy, man. Like, you, where do you see jujitsu going in 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 like ten years? You think there's a lot more like cross training? Do you think do you think there's still butt scooting? Like, what do you think changes about jujitsu in ten years? What do you think doesn't change about jujitsu in ten years? And guys, um, let me just 
Uh, but before you answer that, um, feel free to keep calling us with questions for uh, for Pedro, for myself. It's again, it's nine one six six three four nine nine seven eight. As you as you uh, answer that last question, I'm gonna I'm gonna put up a um, a little sign here. Okay. Well, I think that I know that MMA is the fastest growing sport in America. I know that Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is a huge aspect of that. And I think that it's only going to grow and get bigger and, you know, get more like monetized and that's going to water it down a little bit. But I think that that's also going to give it, make it so people can make a living. So it's just going to evolve faster and faster and faster, just exponentially faster. And I mean, maybe one day it will be something really weird, like a martial art that doesn't have a, like real applications because it's so advanced. And that's just my theory. Well, it's not really a theory, right? A theory is well proven. It's, that's just a, a really lame hypothesis that I have, you know? But as for right now, I think it's the most beautiful thing. It it worked up to be, and it's amazing. It's an art. But the pendulum, as my grandma always says, you know, the pendulum swings both ways. And, you know, one day it's, um, it might not be as cool as it is, but, you know, uh, yeah, just so much to say about that. Number 17, Franklin Suarez. Jordan, uh, when I first got to the gym, Dustin was like, have you rolled with Jordan yet? I was like, oh, no, 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 no. And, you know, that was <laughs> that. That was a, an awakening for me. And then um, Sanchez, uh, Matt, Matt Sanchez? Sanchez. Yeah. He U3. actually, he, he, he changed my view with jujitsu too, actually. Yeah, you three did. Like, I remember it was you, actually. You were, you were a purple belt. Um, I had been already there for about a month. I don't think I had actually drilled or rolled with you. And then you showed up and like, Hey, you want to partner up? I'm like, yeah, let's go. So, you know, we're doing our drills and we're actually learning, um, uh, kiss of the dragon, that's reverse tell the heel. You go underneath oh, yeah. the back and you yeah. just, and I, I forget who was teaching, but you were just like, <laughs> I remember you saying, I don't understand how this is going to benefit me or like something like that. Yeah, it was, was the funniest thing dick. ever. But I was being a total dick. Yeah, I forgot oh, who man. was teaching. It wasn't Dustin because Dustin wouldn't teach that. I was a stronger personality back then. I, I hope I wouldn't say something <laughs> like that. No, it was cool. <laughs> and then when we like rolled, right? I was like, cool, we're going to roll. So we go our what? Yeah. By the way, eight minute rounds, 10 minute rounds. Yeah. It's not normal. It's not normal. No. It's not normal. But that's that's what we do. That's what we do. So, yeah. you know, the the, clock, the timer goes off. And, I'm, you know, I, I pull guard, which you probably notice I almost... Always pull guard. guard. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm a firm believer that to be on top, you need to earn it. Yeah. Nothing wrong with people that start on top. That's just my opinion. Yeah. yeah. Or at least that's that's what I tell myself, and it just helps me to work on my guard. You know? No, I, I mean, your sweeps are pretty damn good because of a, it. Your sweeps are pretty fucking good. Man. It's at a point where if somebody passes my guard, it's insulting. <laughs> but I'm, not, but nah, I'm just kidding. But... So I remember I went with you, right? And I forgot exactly what I went for. I think I went actually for just the regular De La Hiva, you mm-hmm. know, which I'm pretty, a lot of people aren't, especially at art school. They're not big on De La Hiva, but I, you know, I put in my De La Hiva, I start grabbing my grips and you just smashed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you yeah. just smashed through it and you went from side control to a mounted uh, triangle. I'm sorry. Uh, um, yeah. Um, yeah. Triangle jerk. Right, right away. And... Yeah that changed my view on things. Yeah, it just really like the progression. Did. Yeah, no well, I, I just never had anyone come at me that way as well with a wrestling background. Yeah, got it. And got everybody it. that we train with now has a wrestling background. Com- yeah. My my game completely evolved and like got it. Yeah, well, I'll thank use, you. now like I can use I'll use strength and pressure now. 
Yeah. yeah it wasn't yeah. like that before. Yeah, like, don't be scared of it. Yeah, no, for sure. If it, you it, have it, you have it's it. It's kind of like the, the that tall, lanky, flexible guy who uses his flexibility against me, you know? Right, because it's totally proper. You know, I can't tell him, hey, you can't use that flexibility. You can't use your fucking six, uh, like six-foot-long legs against me, you know? I'm, yeah. Same yeah. way they can't tell me to use my your strength. strength. Yeah. And I don't use it a hundred percent. I use it when I need to. So when I'm in that position where I'm like, Oh, it's time for me to control. It's time for me to go. Yeah. Yeah. Just like Dustin, you'll see Dustin go into side control and just control <laughs> someone. So I started implementing those things. I th- I don't know. I think that's really important. Yeah. Yeah. Sanchez changed my view of jujitsu when he, he gave this like dissertation basically on how like wherever the head goes, the body must follow. And then you see him roll. Yeah. Like, but he like, he really means it. Like you see him roll. Apparently he is like three and no against Uriah in college wrestling. Yeah. Yeah. He's dude. He's like a Philo world champion. Like he's, he's amazing. He's like legit. Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen this? this guy? I don't know what he does nowadays, but oh, dude, he's, he's a ball. He's a baller. I know he's He's a ball. He's a, he's a fucking car. Yeah. Yeah. He's a baller, but, um, I don't know him that well, but every time he comes in, we always roll. Me and him always. Yeah. I don't know if he his style's different on, too on on purpose, but I've been. He does that thing where he tucks your head into your chin. He tucks your head into your chest, right? Yeah. And then he manipulates the rest of your body around that. Well, some yes, something like that. Or the thing that amazes me by him though is how flexible he is because he doesn't look flexible, but it comes from his like wrestling days. Like he was very yeah. flexible. Like I've heel, I've I've had a I, one time I I got him into a heel hook position, locked in. I'm pretty confident in my heel hooks like i'm i i i feel pretty confident in my leg attacks period like if we're in a tangle like i'm good yeah you know i don't panic i know what i'm doing i the whole time i got him into a heel hook position completely out of a ashigarami position okay. uh, or a single leg axe i guess you could say okay um in 50 50 and i had the heel hook began to you know crank it he didn't tap he's absolutely flexible yeah no he doesn't give a fuck <laughs> he yeah. doesn't uh, yeah i know matt he doesn't give a fuck fuck he doesn't give a flying fuck he's it's crazy to think he's even better nogi yeah like i've seen him roll with with him i've seen him roll with like tj and just like school tj yeah you know i mean just like world-class athletes like that you know um and he doesn't do jujitsu like he just he does it like whenever he he does it like once a week yeah (laughs) Yeah. i mean after after we're done you know drilling yeah yeah (laughs) well well, it's actually really all based on his wrestling which he did like for like 15 years and so he His, his like thesis statement is like, as long as I can control like the Corona of your head, like the, this back portion of your head and turn your chin into your chest. If I can get that control from your chin to your chest, then I can turn the rest of your body around that. And then he kind of like manipulates you from that. You know, I've seen him do that with like his leg over a head. I've seen him like someone will get like really deep into a single or double leg and he'll just like stuff the back of their head into his chest real quick. And then he'll, he'll wind up reversing the position. I mean, he's, he's totally brilliant with that. It was, I mean, he's, he's got that funky style of wrestling. Yeah. His base is solid. Yeah. Like no matter where he is, he's in great base. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. And he did a good job of turning that into jujitsu. Yeah. How did Jordan change your view on things? So Jordan, so one thing I really respect about Jordan is how technical he is. For how um, big he is. Yeah, he's super technical. I think he's better than anyone his size because he's technical. Most people like his size and as strong as him, they're not that technical. Um, but 
he pulls guard every single time and he lets me work. And what kind of bugs me about that is that I get really like exhausted because that means I have to move. <laughs> and it's usually the opposite. I'm usually letting people move and seeing what they're doing. And then, you know, I counter things. I'm more of a counter grappler, I guess you could say. Um, so I have, you know, I, he, he pulled guard. I went with him. Dustin was like, yeah, yeah, you should go with Jordan. Yeah, you know, yeah, you try it out. And I was like, yeah, 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 okay. So I jump in there and he just... He submitted me, I don't know, six times in like the first like 30 seconds. Yeah. The first time it was the first 30 seconds. Now he I definitely could, lets you know who's in charge. Go. Yeah. Yeah. But he yeah. doesn't, he doesn't go like hard on me 100% of the time. He just waits until I get into a position where he can submit me and he does it. Yeah. And I, and I actually, I, I love rolling with that guy. Like I roll with him a lot. I probably roll with him more than anybody else that I roll with one. Cause he's always there. <laughs> yeah um and two because it, i learn and like i going back to what we were talking about earlier like i appreciate when people submit me when people like beat me at things because i'm the kind of person that i i adapt to the people i train with and i pick up things i really do i adapt to people's style and i learn their style and one thing you'll notice about me is that i'll always uh, like that'll be like it oh, kind of yeah, changes you up every sort of yeah, yeah you do does. do that too yeah and then I the told funny- you, we, we had a moment. Where, <laughs> <laughs> this is fucked up, but you, yeah, you asked me what, like six, five months ago, six months ago, what do you think I should work on? I was like, honestly, you should lose a little weight. Yeah. You, know? and you gave me other things. That was, no, that was the last thing you said. You know, you did yeah. the whole sandwich. I didn't go right into you that. You did the I, sandwich effect, right? Where like, like basically compliment. you go over the, the positive things first, you know, and then you go into some of the negative stuff and then you, you, you end with the positive again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So kiss, kill, kiss. That's what you did. But no, first you, well, you started off with like some of the things that I need to work on. And I was like, okay, but you, not, I don't, you didn't realize, I, I don't believe you realized, but you basically just told me the ingredients to like you know go against you that's basically yeah. what you did yeah that's, i did exactly and you've gotten a lot better against me too you <laughs> yeah. tapped me last time yeah that was also coming out of off of my injury though okay so you you got into an injury on a motorbike no what was it <laughs> nothing number 18 keith day what mario taught me i teach mount mm. people say oh what would you do from here oh i mount him yeah i will i will mount i will try to mount you I will try to get You're that top position. All, all, every, every time. From all half guard, time. from side control, Anywhere. from everything. If you, if you got me mounted, I'm thinking about mounting you. <laughs> I'm not thinking about escaping. I'm thinking about how can I mount this fool? Wow, wow. And then, and 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 that's it. And that's what. That's that's Hickson. That's not like that pressure style of jujitsu. That's Hickson, bro. You know, and Hickson has that that critique of modern jujitsu that it's losing its fight identity. Right. It is, man. It, it truly is. Yeah, it is. And, it, you know, I'm going to do a separate uh, separate segment re- reviewing No Gi Worlds but um, and the fights that we saw over the weekend. But, you know, just to, as a quick as a quick comment, I saw a lot of pulling guard. I saw a lot of fights one by one advantage. Yeah. I saw a lot of fights like, you know, one guy was – I saw one. I think it was um, the guy who beat AJ Agazarm in the semifinals. Yeah. Was up, was, he was up by an advantage with a minute left. So he pulled a guard and just held guard for a minute. He wins. These guys are getting so good, though. At the at the strategy of it. The line, that's why I say it's strategic, dude. It's the line is so thin that you make one mistake and that's it. And, yeah, and, yeah. And, or if you let someone pull guard on you when they're up an advantage, and then your only choice is to is to pass guard. You have a minute to pass that guard, and if you don't, well, then they win. You know, it's like. That's what I love, love about these submission only tournaments. Like you know who's the winner, bro. 
Like yeah. you really know who's the winner. Like, yeah, yeah. And and it, you you tell some truth to yourself. Like whether you want to realize it or not, like if you tap, you, you tap. get you get that final like say so. And I li- I live for that, dude. Like knowing who I really am, that's part of the the search of jujitsu, man. That's like one of the big things. Like, man, maybe I'm not that good. <laughs> that's okay though. Yeah, you know what I liked was um probably the the best production, most enjoyable to watch. Um sort of competitive uh bjj i've seen was the brown belt kumite that oh man that they'll they will never be that was like an all-star tournament they got to do that again man that was the coolest thing that That was was the coolest thing man there were so many good guys that came out of that that was like keenan's you know that was uh, keenan's coming out party yeah that was and 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 like his point jujitsu like to me is like serious like he's a world champion serious jujitsu dude like that is no joke yeah and it's not just like you know pretty it's useful he does a lot of amazing things yeah yeah you know there's i mean there's so many good competitors and so many beautiful like technicians out there that you know now it's just rich back in the day it used to be you'd see you know Salo hibero or or zanji or you know one of these guys and they were the top of the heap but now there's you know 25 guys that are just as good as they are yeah yeah i feel like we're past the era where there's going to be like one person every era right like you know maybe just like two generations ago it was like marcelo and nobody before or after him and then after marcelo it was sort of like god i mean sanjay there's no there's no there's no michael jordan's anymore there's no yeah no everyone's too good although gordon's looking pretty fucking dominant yeah he is um Submission but, only, he is. He is definitely. Yeah, yeah. Is you know like? I mean, I just, I just watched him. I just watched him tap out Yuri. Yeah, Yuri, Yuri's a beast too. That's yeah, another, but you know, Gordon's like 170 pounds though. You yeah, know, Yuri's like 240. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty fucking impressive. Yeah, you know, those guys are are super strong. If you look at Gordon though, there's definitely been a body change in that. Guy. Yeah, there was a quick body change. That guy, very quick, overnight. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it makes you wonder. It all it always makes you wonder. <laughs> it makes dude. you wonder. It makes you wonder. Like you see these guys, like you know, I'm I'm 39, dude. No my, shit. You know, my body, my body. I work. You out. still got a lot of oomph when you roll, though. I take care of myself. Yeah, you, know? you still got a lot. Of, like you still go hard. Yeah, I I, I do because I don't know. I, I look at like I think I kind of look at like Kurt, Kurt Osiander does. Like these is all these young lions are like trying to take my take my food right yeah and, yeah and i'm not gonna let that happen you, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to really take it from me you might yeah. but you might not but you're not just gonna get it yeah like so i mean i've had like several guys that i know are you know fighters and professional fighters and they're like they, they can't deal with it yeah yeah and they but at the same time i've had dudes go in there and just beat beat the tar out of me too just handle me yeah yeah you know a lot of that's about stylistic matchups too like there's some people's styles that i can't deal with <laughs> and even though i'm not sure that they're better than me all around but their style for some reason is just like kryptonite to me yeah and um then there's other people where i think objectively they're probably much better than me but that's not reflected in the role no. you know because for whatever reason they struggle against my style yep. and so i think that the that's kind of what's interesting about it to me is you as you, you know, when you, jujitsu to me is not, it's a wonder to me that anyone even starts because it's not that interesting to start. You just get yeah. your ass beat for a long time. Exactly. You know, so I'm not, I'm not actually sure. 
maybe a psychologist can 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 come on sometime and tell us why we start doing this because it's pretty fucking miserable for the first three years. You got to be crazy. You got to be a little crazy, dude. Like, yeah. Or you, you got to have like kind of a chip on your shoulder, like some kind of something that that drives you want to earn ego. respect or something. Yeah. I always tell people because I, I always see those uh, signs about people's doors. Uh, uh, leave your ego at the door. You know this kind of stuff. And I'm like, that's all you got on the mat. To me, to me, to me, it's like uh, I I think. It doesn't a little bit of ego. A little bit of ego is okay. Destroying your ego. It's about developing a healthy ego. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, like, yeah. You you need to have that ego to drive you to be good at anything. If you don't have that ego, you won't you won't pursue greatness in anything. Yeah, I think a little bit of ego is 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 okay. That's probably really cultural in terms of how you how you feel about that. Like. I don't know. I feel like ego is what really drives like those like dojo wars where like yeah. you and your buddy are just like going going to war for like 20 minutes, 30 That's minutes. That's when you get better, you know? right? Yeah. Yeah. Like when you – dude, for every one of those things, there's a guy, Josh, Josh uh, Fry, that uh, trains at Brothers. And if you train with this guy, you're probably going to believe he's one of the best guys you've ever, ever rolled with in your entire life. Yeah. And me and that guy have had just – the craziest just wars. wars, just wars. The last half an hour, forty minutes, fifty minutes, just rolling, dude, to the point where I'm dead and he's still going. Like, and then every now and then I'll catch him in something, dude, and I'll grow like so much from that, from getting tapped a hundred times before that from him. But then that one time happens and I, I'm like, I catch him and then I'm like, boom, I grow. And I'm like, wow. Yeah. just made me better yeah that's one of those things where like people don't don't want to get they don't want to get beat up partially but that's really how you how you get better my my training partner's brother um older brother who's sort of like an older brother to to many of us on our on the on our wrestling team was like yeah that's how you get better is you get your ass beat a lot i was like fuck i don't want to you know back, you know in high school it's easier for me to get my ass beat because you could kind of like think that you'd get better one day yeah. but now when you're like a full-grown man it's like damn i'm just a full-grown man getting my ass beat <laughs> you're not yeah you're, <laughs> you you're, know you're you're just and the thing is like someone told me a tide raises all ships in the harbor yeah, yeah. the problem is the guys that are, are better than you unless they stop doing jujitsu they're, they're gonna, gonna get a lot better be better than you yeah they're gonna get a lot better <laughs> and you're not gonna catch them and you have to accept that there's some people that you'll never catch you'll Number 19, Manny Moreno. I had the waiver signed. The guy even told me, hey, you know, just go get the sign, you know, bring it back in on Monday and just jump in. So my brother dropped me off to do my trial. And because it wasn't signed at the building, they were like, oh, we can't honor this. You might have signed it yourself. Oh, that's so I'm like, But I was told by this person that, it was, no, 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 we can't do that. So, you know, I was a little mad. So I just went and tried out the other place. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, the... There's a lot of work that needs to be done in terms of running those, like all of these schools more professionally. And definitely communication. You know, right now I'm actually one of the instructors at Aries BJJ Rockland. And we try to do whatever we can to communicate, you know, and everybody has to be on the same page as well. Yeah. Just little things like that. Yeah. Keeping the mats clean. Um, sort of being consistent about like, hey, if you if it says on your sign that you're open till nine, be open till nine. Yeah. Like you know? for me, actually, our class for the kids starts at uh five thirty. Yeah, and I yeah. usually get there at five. Yeah, like I yeah. like to be there early, just in case people have any questions or you know, yeah. sometimes you get trials, take yeah. care of them before get them the loaner uniform and yeah. stuff like that. Because you're a professional. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah I mean, that's just 
courtesy to you know and yeah i know if i was coming into a business that's what i would like to get yeah yeah i think that um professionalism in sort of running schools and running like mma institutions has a long way to go so yeah. you know um even just little things like you know maybe getting all your coaches on the same uh, i don't mean about you but yeah. just what i've seen like you'll have like coaches have two totally different approaches to teaching and the students don't know what to expect you actually know? Like, I, I don't mind that as well as much and i always tell people too like you know my body type's different than your body type yeah and again yeah. different game you like wrestling i like more on the ground too you know like yeah. other yeah. stuff so i figure you can kind of if the students like knowledgeable in the position they can take what works for them yeah and i always tell people too you know we teach you how to do an armbar hold the thumb up put the pressure with the hips but again, are you going to get the armbar the same way every single time? No. Sometimes you're going to get that upside down. Sometimes you're going to get the mount position. So I tell people, we give you the map. We break it down for you. A to point B. and But you got to go and find your own way. Yeah. That's yeah. the way I kind of put things. I'll use a metaphor here. That's sort of what they're doing with like artificial intelligence nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. It used to be you would tell a computer, do this, then you then do that. It'll take direct yeah, route. Yeah. Do right. this, then that, then this, then that. And it would kind of like spit it out right spit yeah. out like whatever you wanted to automate that's what it would do um tech geeks you guys tell me if i'm getting this wrong okay <laughs> um but what they're doing now is they're telling the computer hey this is what success looks like this is a successful outcome mm -hmm. and try a bunch of things and learn what works and what doesn't work yeah and then it just kind of starts doing the computations and then kind of like with with your approach to teaching i think that makes a lot of sense too like hey this is what a successful arm bar looks like here are some positions to apply it in yeah and then get there how you can right like, yeah exactly i always say like different body types too because when we first started at sea police that when i started at least it was andre black belt one poor belt blue yeah. belts you know so we didn't have that much range and the one white belt wrestler fucking taking right into people taking like, taking the wire yeah <laughs> taking everybody down i remember we were doing mma dude my brother had to kick your legs out from underneath you yeah yeah it's, my brother kicks hard dude he kicks hard, yeah. <laughs> I don't like that. But not definitely the whole back to the, you know, teaching style. Teaching, yeah. Again, I can go inverted. That's me. But someone who can't, you know, maybe they'll adapt games from somebody who's a little bigger, maybe different options. Me, I'm able to teach things like that because I'm usually on receiving end of game smash, you know, like this is what works against me. So you should try it too. Yeah. You know, that's what I tell people sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like you got better when you started teaching? Uh, definitely. I had to know my stuff, yeah. you know, especially, um, more basics. Basics are always going to save people, but I had to really break down a position. Why does it work? So this uh, person that I know, she always questioned technique. Like, and again, I don't think it's a bad thing to question it. So I can tell you how it works. That way I can prove to you that it works. Yeah. So it could be the smallest thing. Like, what happens if the person does this? And I let people know, all right, guys, let's make a little laugh. Come here. So let's see the person reacts this way. What can we do? We break it down together, you know? So, sure. and not all the time, like not every position, but I'll show a position. We'll go with it. But then I ask people if you guys have any questions. They give me a scenario, so we try to break it down on the spot. Kind of like a sandbox. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I always tell people, sometimes when it's a smaller class too, it's like it's easy because it's only a few of you guys. You guys really break down a position, you know. Yeah. There's times I had classes like that. It was maybe just five of us, you know, three black belts. We're like, hey, we got this position. What can we do with it? Where can I like we take that. this? I like Number twenty, Uriah Faber. Lay low. He knows when to explode and stuff like that. So uh, he's a big time technician. So. Yeah, yeah. And so yeah. you, you kind of. That's sort of like a theme that I had for you is you kind of figured out how to lay the conditions for success. You know, you find the best guys, you bring them in instead of, instead of like being sore. It's like, Hey, can't I learn from you? Yeah. You know, you're out in Thailand, you see a crazy old guy that's knocking people out. 
It's yeah. Master Tong. That's right. Won't you, won't you come over here and show me some Muay Thai? Yeah. You know, it's you, happened to me quite a few times where, you know, you, you see somebody that, I mean, it just comes down to not having an ego really and, and, and wanting to be learn, learned. I feel like a lot of time people that are insecure cannot like fathom that somebody's besting them or whatever, especially somebody that's that's got some sort of success themselves. Right. You know, I'm sure you've heard of like the shoe shoestring millionaire like you have success in one thing and you think you know it all yeah like it's 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 a real thing so yeah i i've i love to to you know admit when somebody's got something i need to know and and that means for business for life in general for jujitsu for fighting and uh it's helped me out a lot so you um you're a college wrestler you actually wrestled for uc davis yes right you um kind of get the sense hey i like this whole athletics thing yeah, might look into prize fighting now. At the time when you were when you were a wrestler and you're looking at prize fighting, right? The the money to be made is in boxing. Yeah, right. Well, but there you, wasn't. It was illegal in California for me. Not only was there no money in it, but there was no there anything. was no path at all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but here I am being you know. So thinking, what, I mean, what was that future. like? You just had the vision, or what was that like? You just you just um, knew this was going to take. Like, did you say to yourself, "Hey, if this never takes off, if I." if I don't come out the other end of this with a little bit of change in my pocket, if this financially doesn't work out, it's worth the ride. Or like you just kind of knew like certainly that, that this was going to kind of go the way it did. But I, or did you just kind of get sucked into it over time out of passion? How, what was that? My first off, a lot of successful people I've, I've had a chance. And I talk about this all the time when I do speaking engagements to corporate groups or kids or whatever I'm doing is basically some of the most successful people that I've encountered whether it be billionaires or athletes or actors or musicians or uh you know kids that are fighting you know deathly diseases whatever it is there's almost an unrealistic thought process that is like like congruent with everyone that has this this real success it's like a belief in the unbelievable and for me i just didn't care about money it wasn't about like fame or money I just really enjoyed what I was doing for some reason I had an inner like itch to prove that I was the baddest dude on the planet and uh, you know it just kind of followed my passion I was I was coaching UC Davis wrestling after I graduated I was making $7,000 a year as a as a coach which is well 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 below the poverty line I was bussing tables at Inc I it was about a month. No shit, you were bussing tables at Inc. Yeah, there, when I took my first fight, I was bussing tables at Inc. It had just opened, and there was about a month delay between when I got my first check from UC Davis for seven hundred bucks, mm-hmm. and uh, and like being able to pay my bills. So I walked over. You're always like thirty days. Like, yeah, <laughs> when Inc. Well, I just I needed that money at the very very beginning to pay my rent. It was two hundred and twenty bucks a month. I was oh. living in a crappy little apartment on uh, right next to Inc. Like literally ten feet from Inc. Uh, those little shed, I mean, little shingle brown apartments. And so they had just opened. I walked over there and I was like, Hey, you know, can I get a job busting tables? So I was, you know, up sometimes till 4am working at Inc. Get up in the morning, go to practice, uh, at UC Davis. I'd work the whole day, you know, nine, nine hour, 10 hour days. Then I would, uh, you know, get back off and I would go coach kids for wrestling, I was I started something called TLC Top Line Coaching, and I was doing uh, 
some little seminars in Vacaville, some seminars in, in, in Natomas working with, with kids and just like stringing money together enough to, to live. And I thought I was cheating the system. Here I am. I have a graduated from college. You're thinking, and I'm you're like, thinking you're high on the hog. Yeah, I'm not even high on the hog. I was just like not going to get a job yet, but I was yeah, working yeah. 18 hours a day. But it wasn't a desk job. But it didn't. I didn't feel like I was working. I didn't yeah. think I was working. But then looking back, I was like doing two workouts a day. Plus I was coaching kids every day. Plus I was working at UC Davis and I was busting tables. I was just filling my day. But it was like didn't feel like work. So that's kind of been a theme for me is following my passion, working really hard. And then as you experience the success, that's when you start thinking a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger. Yeah. And that started to happen. So yeah. while this while you were sort of following your passion, do you ever have anyone in your life, maybe your parents or mentors who are like, Hey, I don't know about this MMA thing, not any money in it. It's illegal in California. It might not necessarily legitimize. Did you ever have that kind of in the back of your head or, or with people around you? Or did um, you just kind of shut that out? I've always been kind of a pretty strong leader and people trust my intuition. But I did have my two roommates at the time, Dustin Soderman and Dave Shapiro, that are my good friends. Okay. Both played baseball at UC Davis. Um, I had the cheapest room in the apartment because I, I couldn't afford lean. anything else. Uh -huh. And... After my first one, they're like, "Man, that was awesome." We watched that. We had we got a cassette tape afterwards. That's what we got, and we must have watched that thing a hundred something times. But they sat me down and like, "Hey, dude, this is gonna get addicting. You should just do this one, and that's it." And I'm like, you know, which was good advice, really, from from the lay of from the land. From their perspective, yeah. You know, yeah. and then I didn't tell my mom when I took my first fight, and she was gonna try to pay me not to fight. Oh my god! And uh, I'm like, yeah, it'll be you know, four hundred fifty bucks every two and a half minutes or a minute and a half. That's how long the fight took. That's how much I made. And so, uh, yeah, I, you know, at this point I was already 23 years old, graduated college, been living on my own. So it wasn't like, I'm like, you know, having to be under my mom's yeah, thumb necessarily. Yeah. You're on your path. Yeah. So I, of course there's people that who, if they were, I wasn't listening, you know, basically. <laughs> so you start getting ready for your fights. When does team alpha male become established? How does that happen? Alpha male. So I was a human development major in college at UC Davis. Okay. And I loved, you know, I studied human nature. I studied, you know, nature in general. And, and I learned what alpha male meant. And it, it means the different things in different societies. There's, uh, you know, different animals have different ways. There's actually a bird that is like, I forget the type of bird. There's three birds. They like work as a team. Okay. And there's like two sidekicks, wingmen. And then the main dude, the alpha. The, the alpha, and they do this, this dance, and they all three dance together, and then the two kick rocks, and the guy in the middle gets the chick, <laughs> and like hopefully the ones on the side eventually move into the, the, into middle, the middle spot, spot and get a chick eventually. But like, you know, I liked I liked the studying about alpha male and what it meant, and yeah. and realizing there's an alpha male in the political game, there's an alpha male in the baller, male ballerinas, there's an alpha female there's you know yeah, there's somebody yeah. that rises to the top and everything so i just like the concept of it it wasn't about size and it wasn't about uh money like even it was gender about everything yeah it was, it was just, just it was just about how you get to the top you know and so i like that and i thought it made sense for the fight game especially because um you mean you need to be more than strong to to be in the fight game it's you got to be 
dedicated. You got to be intuitive. You have to be intelligent. You have to have drive and passion. You have to have all these different things. And so I just thought it made sense for the for the brand. Well, can, can I uh, touch on the fight game a little bit? Because yeah. yeah, I've been signed, sort of like observing it for a little while from a civilian's perspective. You know, I've been yeah, I've been in there, you know, killing myself with jujitsu. But that yeah. stops at that stops at strikes. You've been right? getting into sometimes striking. I see in their boxing. Oh yeah, so yeah. And yeah, no, I jump into the, I jump into the boxing too. Um, yeah. I, I like uh, I like the sparring. Honestly, yeah. you know, um, had a couple of amateur fights, won them both, but I had that same feeling where it's like yeah. I won them both and I just had like the craziest adrenaline rush. Yeah. You know, I was like, wow. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and then like the adrenaline kind of falls out of your system. Yeah. And I'm looking around. I'm like, wait a second. I'm in the fucking bingo room at the Jackson Casino, <laughs> yeah. at the Jackson Rancheria Casino. I'm in the bingo room. I nearly dodged a head kick. <laughs> And like a part of my tooth, like the very, very top, like just a small chip came off, you know, and I got off easy. And that was a fight that I won uncontested, you know, Yeah. like how much long. So I kind of, I had that feeling and I kind of went the other way. You yeah. Know? And sometimes I feel like, smart. Well, what, what would have happened if I didn't? You know? <laughs> yeah. But you, you said something that I thought was interesting, interesting was like more than strong, right? Yeah. You have under your, you know, I'll say under your care, they call you the general, right? Yeah. Fabio started that. Fabio Prado is one of our. Long time BJJ heads. Yeah. yeah. So you have under your sort of wing, like sort of like what I call like a certain type of immigrants to Sacramento. Yeah. These guys that sell their shit and move here. Yeah. It's to crazy. fight for you, right? Jarrell. He's got yeah. Alaska tattooed on him, but he just sold yeah. his shit and came here to, to, to fight, you know? Um, He's, Jarrell, by the way, has, there's a lot of guys with neck tats on the team and they're all tied for fourth place for best neck tat. <laughs> Except for Jarrell, he's number one. I think so. Yeah, he's got the cold world. Yeah, it's a homemade snowman. He's black, so it's a black snowman. Yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, I mean, like <laughs> Cody just sold his shit and came over here to yeah. fight Sage. Just Sage. came over. Page, right? Yeah, Page, Sage. Uh, We've got Taru came from Japan. We've got Nad, who's right here now from the UK. Yeah. We've got guys that are here from China, Kevin and Song, um, JP from South Africa. I mean, we have guys that come from all over the world. Yeah, let me pick your brain on these guys a little bit, okay? So, yeah. you said you got to be more than strong. I'm going to I'm going to put in there for you. I'm I'm just going to put this in. You got to be wise. You got to be kind of kind of yeah. have some some wisdom about it, right? Uh and some of that has to be sort of like assessing your own self. You ever take a look at one of the guys that you have on the on the pro team and say, "Hey, you got to take him aside and say, "Hey, I'm not sure this is for you." You ever have to do that? <sighs> I don't like to squash people's dreams by any means because who am I to say what someone can and can't do? But what I will do is paint them a very realistic interpretation of what I see. There's a guy, for example, who keeps getting beat up by girls that are the same size. Yeah. And so I'll say to him, I'll say, look, you know, I know you want to be this, this, and this. You know, I know... You feel like you're there. This is your age. This is your weight. This is what's happening in practice. If you can't beat the girls, yeah, you need to be. You know, <laughs> then it's getting, probably not going to happen. Beat the girls. Win. You know. You know. Do this. Do that. And, but if you get that done, I think you could do it. You know. Yeah. So you 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 try to stay positive. I try to stay positive. I, yeah. I don't want to crush people's dreams, but I will be very realistic. I'll, I'll, I'll say another thing I'll do is say, look, this is what I think you need. In my opinion, I think you need to take a year off and do all wrestling. And no one ever does that kind of stuff when, no. I, when I say they Who want would? to do yeah. it. Instead, they just continue to half-ass it and then they don't get any attention. Like Now, if, if I tell that to someone and they actually go and do that, 
and they come back and they're beating everyone up in wrestling, then that's somebody they go, all right, you know, yeah. they're on the task. So it's all about earning respect. And, and I'm creating right now. A 